where we talk about music, music news, music stuff, and anything else that comes up. Oh, hey. How's it going, Zalia? Good, good. What's up? Yeah, you know, I'm here. Yeah, you are. Along with... Our good friend, Clint. Hey. (laughs) Super special guest here. It's the first time we're doing this, so it's pretty exciting. Um, But today we're going to talk about how new bands are getting their music out. Yeah. It's a lot different than it was before, especially now with the interwebs and all of social media and streaming. Yeah. And uh, Clint is the aggressive vocalist in a band called Brothers Grimm, um, who are working on Breaking Through right now. So he's got a, a particularly good insight on this. Exactly. I've helped bands in the past get through it, but it's a lot different from how bands and artists are going through today. True. Yeah. So I've done things such as, man, we would we would get together, uh, if we had an artist, I had to put together marketing plans and such, so we'd have to sit down and literally write everything out, which I'm sure isn't too different from today. Um, we would have to burn CDs, yep. so we would get like three or four of, yeah. their, of their best songs that they wanted and make CDs, get those little those little label stompers, yep, yep. right? Yeah, put them on there. Some cool art. Usually it went inside of a folder that had a sleeve <laughs> yes. specifically for the CD. I still... And that's, that's how you get shows, too. You physically yeah. send out press kits mm-hmm. to clubs. Yep. Well, now, too, like they're doing like USB sticks. So instead of like bringing a CD, you just yeah. bring like, this little USB thing that you can just throw away after you're done, like they're disposable. Really? Just plug it in a computer or whatever. And then Rip the music, the music and then... And now, like, press kits are all, like, electronic now. So people yeah, we build, were... like, websites and stuff like that. Yeah, we were just starting with EPKs, mm-hmm. electronic press kits back then, where you're just essentially building, like, a small, like, a link website. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some sites that uh, do that as well. Like, host sites or domains? And stuff yeah, like that. Like they, that like, yeah. Basically, what it is is an EPK. You get uh, your yeah. own, like, blah, 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 dot com slash brothersgram yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's, they just host your EPK right there. And they even have, like, layouts, too, where you can, like, move panels around and make different headers and put your own, like, you know, it's really cool, like, how they lay it out for you to kind of build it yourself. That's Instead cool. of, like, them doing it, then you pay, like, 20 bucks a month or something like that, and then they host it for you, and it's live for anyone to go to that link and just look at everything. That's really cool. That's yeah, really cool. That- like, you know, you can give that to fans as well, mm-hmm. so it's not just, like, an industry thing. Yeah, you're yeah. just sending out links, which is really cool. Yeah, we would mail out those kits. Exactly, it would be in a folder, so you'd mm-hmm. have your one mm-hmm. sheet, yeah. tell, tell about that, um, you know, everything about them, maybe have a website or a MySpace page. <laughs> yep. I, I loved MySpace. Me too. <laughs> Me too. MySpace was great. Well, you could, have, you could play your songs there. You could have, like, a little player embedded, yeah. right? But, I mean... Yeah. Even in the MySpace days, if you had an album that you wanted to sell, you would, you know, pay to have that CD pressed and then physically distribute those CDs to stores in your area, unless you paid a third-party distributor to do it for you. Right. Well, we used CD Baby, so we would mail Mm -hmm. the physical CDs to them, and then you'd get featured on their page for the first week or so, and then they would distribute it and then take a cut of that, which was, at that time, pretty revolutionary. As opposed yeah. to trying to get a record deal and, and get that distribution deal as well, so they could go out to like actual record stores. Either that, yeah. or you're the dude yeah. out in front of a convenience store selling CDs, but we're not going <laughs> to go there right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, and too, like with like CD Baby, like and TuneCore and all those things like that, like you have to have that now to be on streaming services. Okay. Like you can't like just hit up Spotify or hit up Apple and be like, hey, I want to post my music. 
like that's how you get to that point of posting music in iTunes and posting it through Apple Music and Spotify and you know, all those other like streaming services because um, that's what we did with our with our like first EP and then our singles that have come out since then um, and then it like you literally just post it to the site you pay the site and then you pick a day when you want it and then that's when it's posted to Apple Music. That's really cool. I was actually um, really curious how yeah, to get music really, on yeah. there and I know you guys mm-hmm. have your music on all the sites. Yeah. Um, and that's how you get a connect thing too with Apple Music. Like you have to really? use TuneCore to do connect. Like it connects it like that way as well. And you have to have something on iTunes that's already being bought before they'll approve you for a connect account. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that is pretty cool actually. Yeah, I was wondering how that happened. So, I mean, the, the cool thing about that, though, is that, I mean, you guys, you don't have a, a record deal or anything nope. like that right now, but yeah. you have, I mean, you have listeners from all over the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we generate a pretty decent amount of income from, like, people buying or streaming our music. It's pretty crazy. Like, it's not a lot, but it's, to us, it's a lot because right. we're not really selling merch. We're not really selling anything. Music is the only thing that we really have out there for sale. Um, and so it's just really cool to see, like, people that stream you or that buy your music on iTunes, it's, you're still like seeing that fruitfulness of it. So yeah, it's kind of cool. that's cool that you can generate an income from that yet. Yeah, this is something, I mean, you guys all have jobs and yeah. everything else going on in your yeah. life. And this is something that, you know, you're doing on the side, even though you're very serious about it. I don't, you don't have to spend like an exceptional amount of time dedicated to it. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's, it's actually like getting, I feel like it's getting harder for artists for new artists to come up because a lot of labels now are like looking at what's popular and mm-hmm. if you don't fit that like popularity mold they kind of like want to be like oh well you know we got this other band that sounds like every like all these other people so we're going to sign them even though they're doing less than what you're doing that's what we've we've seen with like pitching to labels and shopping to labels yeah you feel like they're looking more for like electronic or pop music yeah like yeah like because like it's hard for us because we're a blend of electronic pop and metal we have aspects of all of that in our music and we even do like rap and hip-hop type stuff too but i think it's hard like putting us in a mold because yeah we're kind of like our own little separate and in like our own little separate separate place so i don't know i think that's how a lot of a lot of very successful artists that don't necessarily fit into a mold mm-hmm. have to go years and years yeah. and years like yeah, underground right. yep. and get very, very creative in their own marketing ways mm-hmm. and figuring out ways to get to an audience. But it's like once you do, it, yeah. you're like this, you're just a fan favorite and you're an artist favorite and yeah. you're, you have more respect in that regard. And, yeah. and that's like the way that we want to do it. Like we don't want to like go into a certain type of mold because we want to be signed to a label. Like we don't, really care to even be signed to a label if we could do it all on our own and fans would just fund us enough to where we could go on tour and we could do all that stuff we would totally do it that way and we already produced a lot of our own stuff like in terms of like we just did an acoustic song that was done completely 100 percent video music all done by us not one person help from the outside so it's kind of a interesting little thing that we did but um that's cool yeah that is really I cool i think the the other big difference too as far as like making it like how far you can make it on your own is that there aren't all those barriers in place with like marketing because you have social media that mm-hmm. you're able to you know get your message across on and then distribution you can get these streaming services where you can go through something like TuneCore or CD Baby and it pushes that stuff out to everything yeah uh, the other big difference I think is that before when major labels were making a lot more money because 
physical like sales or really high profit margin yeah um they were willing to put money and take the risk on artists that didn't mm -hmm. fit a mold yeah um whereas now they really want to know going into it that they're going to be able to pull a profit yeah and it's like if they don't see that like money sign like on your face they just like turn the other way and we've had like people really get really interested in us and labels like really want like talking about signing us and then for whatever reason, it's like, they just end up being like, you know, we just don't really have a hand in the EDM realm, or we don't have a hand in the metal realm, like, we don't know if we'd be able to, like, market you guys the way that we would want to. And a lot of labels, like, what they do is they give you, like, the first initial push, and then if you, you know, fail, or you or you become super successful, that's what, it, that's how they, like, they determine how long you're going to be on their label, or how much they're gonna do for you. So like some bands won't get any treatment from their label, but then you look at the label and they'll have other artists that are like super popular, have a lot of people following them, like go on all these tours, do all these things. So it's just interesting how they how they do it, how they fluctuate between their artists. I feel like they've been going more towards the less riskier mm -hmm. oh, yeah. artists for quite yeah. some time now. I mean before, you know, A and R would go out to different clubs and find new talent and they really yeah. depended on them to kind of pull that right and then they would mold that artist and make money from that now they're just looking for who out there is already pulling their own weight that i can just invest a little bit of money in and give and, them a push and they'll go like yeah i mean i know you know a long time ago Ludacris was making quite a bit of money just selling cds yeah out of you know the back of his trunk like he was already making bank yeah just from that, even though he was, you know, only well known in his, in, you know, in his area, in his region, they already saw that and said, okay, well, you know, sign him. And obviously, he's making a lot more money now. But they're like, that risk isn't there, right? You know, they already knew he would have a good following. Yeah. yeah. And they can tell that even more now with the following that, you know, you have online. Mm -hmm. And how much you've sold, and they have like yeah, there it's already are built in. Numbers. Right, yeah. there's num there are numbers. And there are like some smaller labels that are popping up, um, everywhere, and they kind of like will sign the less unknown bands. So like the ones that are like trying to like that are are good and they're and they're really good at what they do. There have been these like artists who are in already in popular bands that are making like sub labels under a, another label so that they can capture these you know people who are just you know that they need to take risks on and so like you'll have like, like I guess like a bunch of indie labels in the middle scene have been bought out recently by like um, Concord Music and BMG just bought a, a so you're label. saying that like artists that have their label to like kind of help all of the people yeah. are getting bought out by so, like, more of the major ones there's one specifically that I'll point out to you there's a band called Attila and their lead singer Franz mm -hmm. he has his own label that's okay. under his the main record label that his band's on. Got it. Okay. So, like, they basically help him, like, find these new young artists that maybe yeah. aren't very popular or don't have a lot, like, a, a lot of experience but are very talented, and they're able to kind of mold them and sculpt them and push them out. Yeah. That's kind of what's It's kind of like one dude gets in, and then he's like, well, I have these homies over here. Exactly. Yeah. And that, you know, and then it's yeah. like, you know, good people know good people, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like... Yeah, and that's a model that's taken from hip-hop. Yeah. So, like, um, hip-hop historically has had, like, subsidiaries of subsidiaries of subsidiaries yeah, yeah. Um, where built into deals let's say okay if i sell x amount of records or if i make my recoupable finances back within a certain period of time part of my reward for doing that for you is that you allow me to start my own label 
or you allow me to bring another artist on or you allow Mm -hmm. me to do this other project yeah so yeah it's just very interesting how that how it's all working out so a lot of bands are getting on these small labels and then once their contracts are done with the small labels they have other labels that are bigger saying hey you're popular now we want to take I you. Want you. We want you to. You know, we want to represent you. Um, and then there are big labels that will just take risks on people. And if you fail, you fail. If you don't, you don't. I mean, that's. I think to me, like that's part of the business. Like they write all of that off, anyways. Yeah, right. Like it's written. I mean, it's just historically known that the the four majors are going to write a certain amount off. Yeah. So they know that they can take a risk on you know a s- certain percentage of the artists that they bring on. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and at that point, when you're when you're an independent artist who's built up a large following on your own, and you're at the point where you've got a level of like self sustainability, um, the risk is then on the artist to go to that major label, because at that point, um, am I going to be more successful on my own? And yes, mm-hmm. it's going to take more work for me to grow this, but I'm going to have a, all of the pie instead of a slice of the pie. Or do I make the jump to go to a label who's going to do the work for me? Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm only going to get a, you know, a smaller percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and like even label deals, like I think because of the internet and how like educated people are, label deals are becoming more and more lucrative because artists aren't just signing like how like TLC got screwed over right. when they first started, <laughs> like made nothing. Yeah. And their label took everything. It's just like artists are now becoming more smart about how they do stuff because they can either A, do it on their own or B, have someone help them. So there's like, okay, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, I'm just going to go do it on my own. I'm going to make it myself. Like I'm going to put more drive into it than what you would. So, um, yeah, some, know. some of it has to do with effort and some mm-hmm. of it just has to do with, um, you know, knowledge right. based on the business. Some people learn the business by yeah. signing a contract that sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, Dre. Yeah, Kesha. Kesha. Yeah, you know she's on this like eight record. Like I, I would never sign a contract for eight yeah, albums. No. Like it could take me. I mean that's like minimum of eight years if you think about it. But yeah. typically artists come out with an album every two or three. Yeah. So you're thinking like this is like twenty five years they're gonna have me. Like that's my life. That's your yeah, entire yeah, that's career. career. That's ridiculous. Well, I think that the the difference there is that the perception when you're signing that deal, especially because the the A and R or whoever is presenting this deal to you is selling you on their company. Yeah. Right. It's presented as security. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, I think a lot of people are realizing that, like, I'm gonna do one and then we'll renegotiate. Uh, and that's typically that's standard industry standard. Right. Is that after the first album, they'll see how that goes. If everything yeah. goes well, there's room for negotiation, and that where Kesha, that's where Kesha got caught is that they didn't negotiate. Right. And he, Doctor Luke, kept pushing back that contract, saying yeah, they refused to renegotiate. Yeah, they they were like, "That's yeah. not happening," because they knew, like, and and labels can do that. Like, they yeah. know they've got you by the balls, and they can say, "Hey, uh, yeah, no, we're gonna leave things as it is." And artists come in; they have they have this trust, and and that's how that's what they do, right? They go in and they try to like build their trust with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of believe them when they say, hey, let's do this with you. Let's let's try this uh, song. No, don't do that song. Do this song. No, don't wear that. Do this. Right. Yeah. And they trust them and believe they have their best interests at heart. They don't. It's a business, bottom line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I watched a video like with, La- like with Lady Gaga, and she was talking uh, to Stanford University about like 
they asked her like why haven't you been doing music lately and she's like because yeah. i had to get a hold of my like life yeah. and i had to get a hold of like my career because because i was getting ramrodded by like my label telling me to do this and to do that and she was like no i'm done like i don't want to sell your perfume i don't want to wear your makeup like i want to do what i want to do and she's like i'm not going to write any records until you guys give me that freedom and she took a real big stand for it and that's why she hasn't come out with anything for a couple of years now um since she, she's just wanting to have that freedom yeah and her, i think her career is suffering yeah because of that oh sense. for sure yeah, yeah i was gonna say i think some some artists who do that are you know recognized for that and respected and oh that's great and some of them it all depends on how they react too there's a difference between saying hey that's not okay i'm gonna take a stand and I don't know, freaking out and shaving your head and, you yeah. know, going on some Attacking rampage. Attacking a car with an yeah. umbrella. Right. Yeah. Well, and too, like, I think, like, because if you look, like, she had, like, a couple albums out before um, Art Pop, and I think that was, like, her way of, like, okay, I'll do these albums for you, but once I'm done with these albums, like, I'm on, like, I'm doing my own thing. Like, I'm done with this, you know, noise. So, it's just very interesting to see that and to see, like, such a big person. And she keeps her, you know, her foot in the door because she does, like, American Horror Story and she does right. like all these movies and has little cameos here and there and does like these talks at universities and stuff like that so she's still trying to like kind of keep her foot in the door with with that stuff but so speaking of getting your foot in the door what are some of the things that you or your bandmates have done um, that have gotten you the most attention whether it's from fans or labels that you've been in talks with yeah I think uh, when before I started they did um like this song with like this kind of well-known EDM producer um like in the in the area and they covered one of his or they did like they went they covered on top of one of his tracks they basically like made it their own song and that kind of sparked a lot of interest I think that video got like 60 to 70,000 views oh, and wow. still still climbing so that kind of like sparked the interest um for Brothers Grimm so kind of like trying to piggyback off uh, off of someone else who yeah. has already kind of like made it has some success um, already under their belt yeah so then me coming into uh we've done a lot of like Facebook promoting like mm -hmm. where basically um if you like any sort of anything that has to do with EDM metal or pop um our ad will come across to your feed um that's something that's really huge with so when you're paying Facebook, you're, yeah, you're paying Facebook. So to you, it's like almost like a sponsored ad that would essentially, yeah, yeah. pop up. It's okay, pretty much murder, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that's one of the biggest things. And then um, we always try to do like just fun lyric videos or try to like think outside the box in terms of music videos. Like our latest one was Mother Mary, and it's kind of yeah. like not necessarily controversial in the sense that we've got a lot of publicity from it, but controversial in the in the content of the song. So. I think that kind of brings, like, kind of comes to people's attention, like, whoa, what is this? They might, they might mm -hmm. talk about it a little bit more, um, like, share it around a little bit more, but um, that's been a pretty, pretty big success, so. And what do you guys felt that you've done, maybe put a lot of time and effort into, and you didn't get the results that you were yeah, wanting? Yeah, I'm sure that's been a that's, thing. Yeah, it's been a big thing. Um, management, I would say, is probably the biggest. We had a manager who was in uh, the the frontman of a band who was on a label tours regularly and he was he did a lyric video for us for one of our singles the first single that I was on and um, he was super hype about us really loved us really wanted to help us and then it like slowly but surely like fizzled 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 and then now it's like he just one day texted me and was like hey 
I can no longer help you guys. My life's getting too busy, so, you know, oh, wow. bye. Jeez. So we're like, okay, cool, thank you for nothing, but, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we talked to this other manager who's pretty big um, in kind of the scene that we're in, but mm. he ended up, we, like, talked for, like, two months, me and him emailed back and forth, yeah. trying to, like, work out something, and then he just really was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. So I think it's just, like, the fickleness with people and, yep. like, the way, like, like I said before, like, it's hard for artists to, like, really get their, like, their, like, name if people are too afraid to, like, that, they, oh, I won't be able to help. Because his, his excuse was he didn't know the EDM genre enough to really be able to market us the way that he should. You'd think that's so, one of the first things that they would. Right. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And I like his honesty with him being like, hey, but I was like, hey, you know, is there anybody that you can think of? That you could be like, that has more experience that you can, like, yeah, like hook me know, up with. These are my boys. Check them out. Like, yeah. can you help them out? And he was like, yeah, I'll try to find somebody for you. And then it's just been nothing. Nothing. So, um, that's probably the biggest is just trying to get with someone in that in that sense. But it's it's really hard because no one really wants to help you unless you're already making music that everyone else is down with and wants to wants to listen to. So, it's one thing I'm curious about because it's. it's it's one thing to have a following on social media and have people download your songs, um, especially because that's worldwide. Yeah. But how do you get booked for shows? Yeah. Uh, networking. I mean, networking and finding promoters. Because yeah. promoters are still a thing. Um, <laughs> They're still a thing. Yeah. So you sound very bummed about that. A lot of people, a lot of people want to go with like booking agents, which I mean, right. they're really where it's at in the end, because that's where you get your tours and that's where you get uh-huh. all that stuff. But booking agents, like everybody else, they don't want if you're not already touring 180 days out of the year. If you don't have like 20,000 likes on Facebook and like at least a 50,000 like your smallest videos fit like a 50,000 views, they don't want to like do anything with you because you know you're not marketable to them so right. or you're not popular enough to pull people to the show which is where they make money right so promoters just getting with promoters like, like local venues and stuff like that because they promoters are the ones that really love to give local acts like their light and their spotlight and mm-hmm. if you're really dedicated and you do your pre-sales and you work really hard to make that show like get a lot of people like successful draw, yeah yeah They'll, they'll they'll definitely treat you well. We've got paid for a couple of local shows that we've played here. And we're getting paid regularly now. Whenever we play a local show, we get paid for it. So just kind of one of those things. And I think, too, like bands kind of miss out on that because they think, oh, we're just local, so we don't deserve to be paid. But venues will pay you if you're just like, hey, you know, was there any chance that I was going to get paid for this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And they'll pay you. But it's the fact that nobody asks is why they don't ever really bring it up. It's like a don't ask, don't tell type of thing. Yeah. That's well, really weird. I think that that really hurts, especially local yeah. scenes, because mm-hmm. if... If you've got someone who's going to do it for free, why pay the dude that's asking for money? Exactly. Yeah. It's the same when you're talking about DJs. A lot of the more successful ones, or ones that are, like, up and coming, right. you yeah. know, in the local area, they get undercut by the noobs that are like, oh, I'll totally do it for free just because it's fun and I want to, like, snap that I'm doing this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it'd be no different than, like... Do you pay someone to come paint your house, or do you have your friends come over and buy a pizza and do it together? Yeah. yeah. Like, the the work's probably not going to be as good. Yeah. Right. You're not going to enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, the next time you go into that room, you're going to see that spot that whoever missed. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, you're and still I think gonna, these, like, you're saving that money. Promoters and bar owners and people that ask them to play for free i don't know i think i think it's super shady i've never been a fan of it like no just to say hey it's good for exposure yeah 
You know, not really. Right. Well, and the other thing that I've noticed a lot, kind of just in talking to other artists and stuff, is there's a lot of the job of the promoter being put on the artists themselves. Oh, yeah. Like you had mentioned, mentioned pre-sales, and it's, it's great to have the opportunity to do pre-sales because you already have an established relationship with your fans, so yeah. you can just kind of easily say, hey... Come check want, us yeah, out. Yeah, come check yeah. this out. You can buy tickets direct from me. You already trust mm-hmm. me or have a relationship with me. Yeah. But for a, a lot of things have gone to, you have to sell X number, pre-sell X number of tickets. Yeah. And that's your, you know, your foot in the door for it. Yeah, well, the, the way that, like, the metal promoters do is, like, they'll essentially give you, like, 25 and they'll ask you to sell 15. Um, if you meet that mark, that's when you start getting paid. And they and they make that they've made that more apparent now than when they send out emails because you can get part of these like email lists where they'll send you out an emails capping saying hey we have all these shows coming up that we need you know openers for hit us up with like all this information and we'll get you on the show but um, pre-sales is kind of like they're kind of annoying because it, it, it ends up being where you're like hounding people right like mm-hmm. you know those fans are like oh I might be able to come I might not be able to and you're like Facebooking them saying hey you still able to come (laughs) so the way that we've tried to do it is try to take the payment before like saying hey we'll send you the ticket you pay us now because we've gotten into situations where we've saved tickets and people have just bailed and not came so that hurts us because we're like well crap now we have to buy out these tickets or we have to just give them back so it's like we're putting money into the or we're putting money into these shows or we're just looking bad uh, to these promoters if we don't do it, but it's all because people don't show up. So I think the, the the way artists need to figure out is try to get people to shows without having to, like, bargain with them. Like, saying, like, to get them genuinely excited, like, to come to a show and to come and, and experience something, like, live. So that's what we've tried to, like, create our live performance to be something that's, like, unique and special so that, like, people are going to want to come. And they're not just like, oh, no, it's just another show where they're just on stage, you know, list, like it's just like listening to music with people right. jumping around. But like we get really into lights. We do balloons and stuff like that. That's cool. We did confetti cannons one time. Like we try to do it different every every show so that people are like, oh, well, that's new. Well, every time we see them, it's something new. So we'll come and yeah. have fun. So that's a, that's a really good idea. Like, I mean, I love going to shows regardless. Yeah. You know, but not everybody's like me or you right mm-hmm. you know that we just anytime a fa- one of our favorite artists comes up we're like snatch yeah right <laughs> well and I, I read an article recently about this band called the used their singer was saying like you know how they've kind of gone into a musical slump with their music because they don't want to make music that's just like club music or like mm-hmm. music that you would hear on the radio like they music has saved their life and has like been something that's been like very therapeutic to them and so they take it like that. And whereas people nowadays are more like about going to a club and, you know, listening to that type of music and then going to see that type of music live. So it makes it harder for the artist that's like really about the music and the passion because there are very few people that are like us that want to go to a concert because we love that band. And, you know, it's not about that they're on the radio, that they're doing this or that. It's that like we saw their talent. We've seen them a couple of times because we took a risk on them. Mm-hmm. And now we're in love with them. Yeah. That love for music, I feel like, has kind of went sideways a little bit totally and it's just like more about oh i hear the song on the radio oh then now the radio is promoting that concert that they're going to be at okay i'll go see it mm-hmm. right i like that song 
And, and you think about it too, like people don't really ever know albums of artists. It's just one song. Mm-hmm. And it's like for me, I've, I've, even when I was younger, like I hated buying just one song. I had to buy like a whole album because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear all of it and just, yeah. hear just one piece of it. And a lot of times, I mean, most artists I know they're, they're intentional about the album. Like it's, it's something as a whole. That's why a lot of artists hated when iTunes came out and you could buy just the one song right. because I've worked with artists in college where we had to argue about the, the placement of the songs yeah, within the, the album, the order of it. Like, it has to start out a certain way because it tells a story as it goes along or they wanted it to start out on a mellow and, and then end up high or vice versa. Right. Well, and there are even artists now who are foregoing albums entirely mm-hmm. and just going to single releases mm-hmm. or, you know, EPs like, yeah, like a pseudo EP with, yeah. you know, like a single and a B-side, um, which is boring. And I think it's because the attention span of the listener is so small like if you don't if you grab the attention of of a mass amount of people and you don't hold it and you keep and you're like you fall short and what for one moment you've lost it people mm-hmm. lose interest they're like on to the next person right i mean look at all these people that start off like justin bieber starts off with this huge momentum and you can kind of see that he's plateauing and he's starting to kind of go down not to mention the way that he acts is kind of right. is hurting him as well <laughs> but he's slipping and that's what's causing his thing to kind of plummet yeah but i mean i think that like looking from a a business standpoint is it a better idea to have a really accessible single that a large group of people are going to want and be on for that short period of time and then they're going to move on to the next thing and hopefully you can be that next thing or is it better to have a smaller fan base that's incredibly dedicated to everything that you do yeah, no, they're going to go for the one yeah. single. And I think yeah. that I think over time, you know, you're going to get more money off of a more dedicated fan base. They're going to be the ones who are going to come out to see the shows. They're going to be the ones who buy the merch. Like, right, but they're thinking like how many artists are there that are, that are doing this for 20, 30 years? Yeah. You know, there's a handful that are dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thousands millions of artists that have come out and had a good two to five years and then drop off yeah i mean we we have the term one hit wonder for a reason absolutely crazy Crazy. all about business yeah um speaking of everything being all about a business not necessarily caring about the people right got a little incident yeah uh, well a few quite a few a few yeah not so little incidents. So at a um, a music festival in Sweden, the name of which I can't pronounce because it's Swedish, right? Probably long. Um, as people were entering the festival, police were handing out wristbands to to girls mm-hmm. that had some other hashtag in sweet Swedish that I can't pronounce, but it translates to "Don't grope." And the the reasoning that the police gave behind giving these bracelets out was so wait, they were handing them out just to girls, just to girls. So the girl shouldn't be groping? Uh, no, saying like I'm not, I'm not who you should be groping. Oh, oh, like don't uh, grope like, me. Yeah. Don't grope that, me. Like don't like, go stop. groping. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hashtag don't don't go groping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the the national police chief said uh, a lot of them. We're hoping that this will get boys to think twice because a lot of them don't realize that this is a crime. Um, <laughs> throughout the course of that <laughs> festival. Um. There were 
five alleged rapes and more than a dozen reported sexual assaults. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, in another f- Swedish music festival, mm-hmm. there were 32 reports of Whoa, sexual assault. What? Um, so Mumford and Sons, who is, had played at one of the festivals, came out um, with a, a Facebook post and basically said, look, we're not going to be back here until something is done to end this. Yeah. As, yeah, as they should. Right. And it's brought a lot of attention to it, and it uh, turns out that this is not isolated to these two Swedish festivals. Oh, yeah. Um, no, there's been some at, like, Glastonbury, Latitude, right. some very long German name that I can't pronounce. Yep, and these are, these are just the ones that have been reported. Yeah. You know, and uh, oh, yeah. statistics on all sexual assault and rape, the majority of them go unreported. Yeah. Um, Huge majority of them. Yeah, and one thing that has been seen is festivals are underreporting uh, because they want to keep the appearance of being a safe yeah. place. They don't want people to think, you know, associate the festival with... Yeah, because people aren't going to show up if they're afraid. They're like, oh, I don't want to be raped, so I'm right. not going to go. So they're going to... Yeah, they don't want to associate it with the rape culture. Right, which is the exact opposite. What we need to be doing. Right, because right. I think... I don't, I don't know if it was Mumford & Sons or another artist that said, yes, <laughs> I get your point, however... If there is something that happens and you take care of that problem and address it appropriately, then people would feel safe. Right. Because yeah. they know it's there. They know it's there now. Sweeping it under the rug isn't going to do anything. That's the same as colleges saying, you know, all this rape going on in, on college campuses where the administrators are telling them, hey, shh, don't say anything. We want people to still give us their tens of thousands of dollars every year. Yeah. Why don't you just do something about it so yeah. that the... You know, the kids feel safe while they're there, and the parents feel safe giving you their, you know, new yeah. adult child. <laughs> well, I think, too, it, it comes down to the, the concert goers as well. Like, having, you know, if they see something or they see some weird activity being like, hey, what are you doing? Like, stop. Like, exactly. don't ruin this for everybody else. Yeah. Because eventually it's going to get to the point where if it gets too out of control, they're just going to get shut down. Right. And the festival's going to be no more. And then that's where I think a festival needs to realize, like, hey we don't do something we're just not going to be around at all and it'll eventually get so bad to where people aren't it just the attendance will be zero yeah and you'll close so yeah i remember seeing and this really shocked me there was um a guy at coachella in 2015 that had a t-shirt that said eat sleep rape repeat right what yeah oh my yeah. gosh like hey this is what i'm here to do yeah right like I don't know who would label themselves as a rapist. <laughs> uh, that guy? Yeah. Other than right. Tom Raper RVs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, are they just doing just, it to be funny? And there's, the, there's nothing funny there's about not that. There's not anything funny about no. that. It's just mind-boggling, too. Like, the, the, well, like, Austin said that people didn't even know that that was, like, a bad thing to do. Yeah. Like, so where's the education coming from? Like, hey... It's not right to just forcefully make someone have sex with you. Right. Like, even if they're telling you no, like, why wouldn't, like, how is that even and this conceivably is, to be right? Yeah, and this is not a new problem. Yeah. Um, you know, back when the Beastie Boys were doing arena tours, they actually at one point had separate pits for men and women. Really? Because they didn't feel like it was a safe environment for women to be in, in that the crowd the, yeah. in the middle of the pit. Well, Just because people take advantage of that situation. Like... I can't tell you 
how many festivals I've been to where I've seen girls crowd surf and just and get dudes are like, just getting groped yeah. as they're going over the crowd. Like it, yeah. when I crowd surf, no one's grabbing me like that. No, for sure. You know, yeah. and it's kind of like sickening to see too. Like some artists are even like kind of being like caught in the whirlwind of like underage type of stuff that's like going on with festivals as well. Oh yeah, there like, was huge was it last year at work tour with front porch step yeah front porch step jake mcgelfresh had this huge like outpour of people just boycotting warp tour because he was on it and because he had gotten caught like had gotten like lawsuits filed against him right um from parents of teenagers whose daughters were texting him and he was sending nude pictures and they were sending new pictures back and he had claimed that it's you know oh no big deal i thought they were of age i'm sorry whatever um, turns out now he's actually working with Dr. Luke, which is kind of very funny. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Luke has kind of taken him under his wing to like, I don't know what he's doing with him, but teach he's him how to rape. Yeah, teach yeah, him how to do his job exactly. over there. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, Anonymous, who is like this, you know. Yeah, the hacktivists. Yeah, they, yeah, the hacktivist group, they actually went to every warp Tour date that he was at and they boycotted warp Tour like there and were telling people like, why would you go to a festival that has you know a rapist yeah well and this year at warp tour um falling in reverse is going to be there i don't i don't know if they're on the yeah. entire tour they are but um ronnie radke the lead singer of falling in reverse I, you know even though he's recently gotten out of jail i mean what uh, five years ago four yeah. years ago something for murder and for, for heroin uh, use yeah um there were claims a year or two ago um about him basically kidnapping and raping someone after a show yeah wow and yeah, and there's there's no consequence to that. And like when I think about the demographic for Warp Tour, like it is young, impressionable. Absolutely, it's like twelve year olds. And yeah, it's kind of yeah. like crazy, and it it sucks for Warp Tour because their founder really wants to figure out a solution for it, and he's very proactive about like trying to figure out something to make everyone feel safer. There was like this rumor going around for a while that they were going to ban like a certain age, like you had to be eighteen or older to come to the show. But then they realized that's not cool. Yeah, and then yeah. they realized like how much their numbers would be down if they did that, and it's just it would like, be. And like, why try to block like that demographic? They can't go to most shows yeah. or yeah. like cool events like that. Like, well, and, and like my thing on that, like, yes, he um, he does try to kind of give the impression that he's um, like trying to quell this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the bottom line is the reason he let front porch step play was because no charges had been filed and he hadn't been convicted of anything which just perpetuates the idea that girls who report these things are making shit up and they're guilty until proven innocent yeah same as in colleges when they have an athlete exactly right it's like the same thing artists athlete they're like oh well it's just hearsay they're just doing it because they're popular and they want attention or they want to bring this person down yeah and they're both in a position of power Mm -hmm. you know and an athlete in a college is one of the main money makers of that college as far as like donations oh totally and and things Mm -hmm. like that sponsorships all that shit right whereas an an artist is a huge money maker the the bigger the artist the more people are going to go to the festival the more tickets you sell the more merch you sell the more food you sell whatever and in that scene like he was a huge person like a lot of young girls love his music right and it's like you can't be that type of person and be doing that like that's just, you have a responsibility yeah, yeah. yeah for sure
All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you want more... Who wouldn't? Right? Check us out on all of the social medias. That's right. You can find us on Twitter, at Eruption, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash Eruption, or on our homepage, eruptionmusic.com. 